Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the Bart Winkler Show on CBS Sports Radio. Need a place to talk sports? You've come to the right place. CBS Sports Radio. Live from Milwaukee, it's Bart Winkler. CBS Sports Radio, my name is Bart Winkler, 855-212-4227. You can reach us at CBS Sports Radio. I'm at Bart Winkler or Bart Winkler Show, depending on the platform. I'm mainly Bart Winkler Show on Twitter, which I still call it Twitter, but it does kind of feel antiquated now. I just, I can't, I can't say that you can find me on X. I can't do it. It just is so stupid. The guy buys a website and changes it to X. I can't do it. My wife's phone, she doesn't do automatic updates. It still has the bird. It still has the bird on her phone. I said, you could probably sell that, man. You could probably sell your phone. Remember when Floppy Bird was an app? This really dumb little 8-bit app where you press your phone and then the bird goes in between the pipes or not? And then they took it off the market and people were selling their phones because people needed to play it so bad because they had the app downloaded on it. It was bonkers or fake story, but I do remember that time. And I said, you could probably sell that too because that was, that was a long change ago. Uh, the app did allow me to find an article that was posted today regarding the uh, athletic and all things Robert Sala and the uh, New York Jets. So the... Story is pretty clear. Um, we all know what happened. Aaron Rodgers was traded from the Packers to the Jets, and the Jets became an instant Super Bowl contender. Because what was the problem with the Jets last year? What was the problem? Zach Wilson, kind of. They had this quarterback who really I do kind of feel bad for. He got drafted way too high. The scouting on him was bad. This kid at BYU, he would torch these really below-average college defenses. And then when he did see defenses that were worth a damn, uh, he was getting torched. The game against Coastal Carolina, it was a game, COVID year, they scheduled it on a Monday and played six days later, which was a slap in the face to all of the times that we've always been told. No, no, no. If if West Virginia is ever going to play Cal, uh, they have to to schedule a game 16 years in the future. Oh, did you see see, uh, Penn State's going to play – uh, Alabama in 14 years. Yeah, the kids that are going to play in that game are still in their diapers right now. I mean, that's what we thought college football was like for scheduling, but then they get this game done. 
in four days. And I, I never thought that Zach Wilson should have been the top quarterback picked in that draft. And I know he was, it was Trevor Lawrence, but really it was Zach Wilson. Cause I swear to you, I swear this might be selective memory, but I swear. I remember the jets announcing their intentions to draft Zach Wilson before the Jaguars made it known they were going to take Trevor Lawrence and maybe they take Justin Fields. Maybe they don't take a quarterback who knows, but I thought that they put him into a high pressure situation right away. And it was hard for him to, to get into that. The offensive line was no good. Uh, the coaching was sporadic. I just don't think he was set up to succeed. But along the way, Zach Wilson, while you didn't see much progress with him, along the way, the team did get some good running backs and receivers and a decent offense they were building. The, the defense, though, was really the calling card. And if you look at some of the pieces they had on offense and if you look at the defense, there was one thing that was missing, a quarterback. Well, where do we find a quarterback? Where do we find a quarterback? And then you look and see what the Rams did with Matt Stafford. You look and see what the Broncos did with Peyton Manning. You can see what the Buccaneers did with Tom Brady. You, you, you get a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, an MVP quarterback, a quarterback that has run out his welcome on whatever team he's been on, and you trade for him, and then you have success in this guy's final chapter. And that was the intention of the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers came there, got hurt after four plays, and then the whole thing went haywire again. And more awful stuff for Zach Wilson, where he plays, he's not good enough, he gets benched. They tell him, we're going to make you inactive the rest of the year. Then they realize the rest of his team sucks. So then they play him again. Then he has a good game. Then he gets a concussion, you know. So it's like a really tough situation for Zach Wilson all the way around. But he was supposed to redshirt maybe this year And next is the word we're going to use here while Aaron Rodgers came in. But with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and that's why I think Green Bay did have a lot of success this year without Aaron Rodgers, was that not only did they get a new quarterback in Jordan Love being able to step in and play, they essentially got a new head coach. They got a new head coach. Matt LaFleur has been the coach in Green Bay for five years now, but the first four years are a lot different than this last year because the first four years he was essentially asked to be a partner of Aaron Rodgers. And then this year, he got to be a coach. One of the examples of that was from this article in The Athletic where they said over the summer, Rodgers collaborated with Nathaniel Hackett to construct the offense. So Robert Sala had nothing to do with it, and essentially the offense was being crafted by Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. The dynamic is more frat brothers than player coach. This is from the article. And Rodgers likes the free will to operate the system as he sees fits. They call the offense quarterback friendly, but as the Jets learned, that really just means it's Rodgers friendly. That's what Aaron wants would be typically what Hackett would say to others. So Hackett, what what Aaron Rodgers wanted in this offense was for Hackett to call the play a play that Rodgers already agreed to like, but then still have the ability to check into a new play. And he did that a lot in Green Bay, and he was doing that a lot with the Jets, at least in training camp, and you could assume he would have done that a lot in the regular season. Nathaniel Hackett, as the article also went to describe, also did not get together with the rest of the offensive staff until maybe the last minute. Like, it just seemed like he was either lazy or... Or pretty bad at his job. The Nathaniel Hackett part of this, 
is very interesting to me because he went to Denver when it looked like he was there so that the Packers could trade Rodgers to Denver. Then he went to the Jets when it looked like the Packers would trade him to the Jets. It's like to get Aaron Rodgers, you need Nathaniel Hackett. These guys have really only known each other for four or five years. The The whole way that they're painted in you know articles or the media or whatever is that they're like lifelong buddies that have worked tandem together, like Bert and Ernie almost. Lived together, grew up together. Uh, now they're coaching quarterback together. No, there's some guys I met a few years ago, and Nathaniel Hackett was a good enough guy that Rodgers seemed to like him, and he was also a good enough pushover that Rodgers really seemed to like him because he could do whatever he wanted to Nathaniel Hackett. So that part of it was always weird. But then the whole part that I thought was going to be the biggest disaster was Robert Sala. And this is where I take my victory lap for one of two things is because I have been somebody in Wisconsin, yep, that has covered the Green Bay Packers, has talked about the Green Bay Packers, has done radio shows and podcasts and interviews and bonus radio shows and pregame shows and postgame shows about the Green Bay Packers. And then when you do that with one team, you really get sucked into all the inner workings of everything with that team. Okay? So you really get sucked into all the minutiae of that team. And what had happened with Rodgers is covering the Packers wasn't just a once a week thing. And then you talked about him as the practices went on. You also had to cover every little thing that Rodgers said, did, was quoted as saying, the interviews he gave, yes, with Pat McAfee. It became really a second job. And I'm not talking just for somebody in sports. I'm talking for anybody that was a fan of the Packers. Because to keep up with what was going on, you had to follow all the things of Aaron Rodgers. You had to watch Pat McAfee on Tuesday, which, again, I think Tuesday's the day he goes on for various reasons, the biggest one being he can set the tone for the week. He can set the tone for the week. Because, yeah, they'll give their interviews on Monday or whatever about the week that was, but then Wednesday's always turn the page. We're focused on the new team. Guys are back after the Monday and Tuesday off, and it's a new week, and we, we go towards you know Sunday. But Rodgers would always set the narrative. Rodgers would always be asked about what he wanted with the offense. And suddenly the coaches are playing catch-up to everything Rodgers said. We saw it with Matt LaFleur, and we've seen it with Robert Sala. And while I think Robert uh, Matt LaFleur let it get away longer and maybe more than he would have liked, like I think if Matt LaFleur redid some of that era, he would maybe try to push back on Rodgers a little bit. He would maybe try to you know, grab the reins a little better. But this is also a guy in a new situation. It's his first time as a coach. I don't know. I never once, though, got the impression that Matt LaFleur was starstruck by his quarterback. It's like, hey, I'm the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I get to coach, or at least co-coach, with one of the greatest players to ever play this game. That's pretty great. I'm excited to take what I know about the game and see what he knows about the game and try to blend it together and see what we can come up with. That's what I always took was the approach from Matt LaFleur. If you watch the Hard Knocks with the New York Jets, the show on HBO, of course, all you saw basically for 60 minutes were people fanboying over Aaron Rodgers. And when I say people, I mean the coach. I mean, like the Jets had more editorial control over hard knocks than I think we've ever seen any team have control. And so they saw all this and they kept in on purpose. Robert Sala being like, 
like un- like unprovoked. He would say, "Can can you be- can you believe Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback?" Like he'd say that to the garbage can. It's like you're not even talking to anybody. What are you doing? Why why are you so infatuated with this guy? It's like yes, he's a good quarterback, but you still got to coach this guy, you know. And I think because Salah was really like, "All right, you guys run the offense. I'll kind of do the defense and everything else." It was almost like there was still a wall of separation. Did he really work one-on-one with Rodgers? Or could he just step back and see like, oh, I can't believe that Aaron Rodgers is actually at our game. He, Dude, he's your quarterback. All right, he is your quarterback. Along the season, as it went out, Robert Sala was then getting kind of, uh, he's kind of losing it a little bit. And that was my main takeaway from Hard Knocks was that Robert Sala did not seem like a competent head coach. That, you know, he was a great defensive coordinator with those Niners teams. We remember that. But with the New York Jets, I don't know that he was going to be a very competent head coach. He wanted vibes to be up. You know, he would say positive vibes only. There was the one time where Rodgers went on McAfee and said, we need to get to the bottom of this. Whatever's coming out privately, there's no place in a winning culture. There's a bunch of leaks. That, according to this article, sent Robert Sala into a tailspin. He met with his staff, and he told his staff, if you come forward now, you won't get in trouble, while threatening to take their cell phones. So he basically did the thing that teachers do with, like, a second-grade class, where it's like, all right, I know one of you stole the teacher's wallet. You know, that's really funny, but I do need the wallet. No one's in trouble. No one's in trouble. I'll close my eyes. As long as the wallet magically appears on my desk, no one's in trouble. Like, that's what he was doing with professional coaches. There was one week where I was doing a show, and I was kind of laughing about how, isn't it kind of weird that there's two teams in New York, and they have, like, the same bad record? But with the Jets, it's like, oh, my God, this sucks. Zach Wilson sucks. Robert Sala sucks. Everything sucks. And then with the Giants, it was like, yeah, they suck. But look at the agent. (laughs) guy looks like a mobster. (laughs) It's pretty great. It's like one team was getting totally covered different than the other, which I think is a funny point to make if you're, like, you know, talking about it with your buddies. Robert Sala, according to the article, is in his office complaining about this complaining about the difference in coverage between the two teams. Man, you got to worry about your own house. You can't be worrying about the New York Giants. You share a stadium. You don't need to share anything else. Then he started worrying about losing his job. Then he started worrying about, oh, I need, a, I need, a, I need an endorsement from these guys. I need, need, need Rodgers to say that he still wants me here. I need Woody Johnson to come out and say that he still wants me here. And so this whole article that, and again, I would recommend reading it, but this whole article just kind of reiterated everything that I think not just I thought, but anybody who watched any of this go down in any of the press conferences or any of the the behind-the-scenes looks that we got is that Robert Sala is not competent enough to coach this football team. He is too much of a, like, fanboy, I guess I've already said, but he he, 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 you can't be the coach of an NFL head team and think your quarterback is a celebrity. You can't be starstruck by your quarterback. I think he looked at this guy like, wow, did you believe this guy hosted Jeopardy and was on one of the last episodes of The Office? No, this guy needs to lead you to a Super Bowl, and if he gets injured, you're going to be exposed for how bad of a coach you are. 
So of all these different hirings and firings that are happening, right, of all these different things, of all these coaches that have kept their jobs, and we thought they should maybe not. Matt Eberflus, we thought the Bears could move on. We thought that the Dallas Cowboys could move on from Mike McCarthy. We thought even that the uh, Eagles could move on from Nick Sirianni, right? We thought all of this could have happened along the way. But none of them changed their coach. None of them changed their head coach for reasons that they still have to kind of grapple with, and we'll see if they were right or not. We're still in a coaching cycle where Mike Vrabel is not a head coach anywhere, where Pete Carroll is not a head coach anywhere, where Bill Belichick is not a head coach anywhere. You're telling me not one of these guys could come in and do a better job than Robert Sala, but that's the rub. Who wants to? Who wants to come in? You might see Aaron Rodgers as a ticket to the Super Bowl, but you also have to basically work for Aaron Rodgers as much as you're working for Woody Johnson. It is a mess. It is a disaster. I just don't see any way, shape, or form right now or really the rest of his career that Aaron Rodgers will win a Super Bowl as long as Robert Sala is his head coach. If you get a new head coach in there that can like rein him in a little bit, then I'll up the percentage to maybe two or three. But there is no circumstance with Robert Sala where I see him becoming the head coach of a Super Bowl champion New York Jet football team with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. So I just wanted to pat myself on the back because that's exactly what I've been saying all year. And, uh, and I was right. So I don't think that I'll get an award or a trophy for this, but um, it's, it's just nice to, it's just nice to know when, when you're uh, it's just nice to know when you're on the right path. And sometimes that's all that you need. Of course, this is all about me and not the jets, but the jets really should fire Robert Sala. He is a, Disgrace of a head football coach. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4CBS. Another coaching vacancy did get filled today. Talk about that and more on this with you guys. CBS Sports Radio. It's the Bart Winkler Show on CBS Sports Radio. is in the pudding when it comes to his defense. We're talking a bad, bad defense this past year. Doing it with a bunch of just, I'm not going to say jags, but doing it with some guys that are not just high-profile type of defensive players. He did it with those group of guys. See his personality. See that he did it at the college level, at the pro level. He comes from a phenomenal culture, a phenomenal organization. The IZ Newsoms, the Harbaugh's. And um, I believe that everyone in the city of Seattle would be in, in, on full board and full go with bringing them in. This is the Bart Winkler Show. Listen Monday through Friday, nighttime and nationwide, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern and 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific on CBS Sports Radio. KJ Wright, formerly of the Seahawks, talking with Seattle Sports today on the Mike McDonald hire. And, man, he really did not think highly of the uh, players that Mike McDonald had on that roster, he is going to be the new coach of the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have their new coach. The Commanders still without theirs. Talk about that as well. The New York Jets, I think, should have a new coach. Even if Rodgers was healthy or is healthy next year, Rodgers is walking all over these people. 
Rodgers is walking all over these people, and it doesn't like it doesn't work. You know who it works for, and this is this has been one of the frustrating kind of things that I've had to deal with or talk about when when talking about Aaron Rodgers over the last ten years and what he does for a team, how he contributes, what it what it means for the organization. Everybody always tells me four MVPs. Four MVPs. And he's won four MVPs. And he won two after Jordan Love got drafted. But he's not been back to a Super Bowl since. He's won all these MVPs after the Super Bowl. So, you know, when you're when you're a fan of a team and your player gets an MVP, it's pretty neat. You like that. You vote for him and whatever fan voting you can do, you you root for him, you try to politic for him. But then when you like look back and say, what what did that era give a Packer fan? It gave you one Super Bowl. It gave you four MVPs. Who cares about the MVPs? That's a him award. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers at this point? I don't think so. And I think he's going to come back. There's going to be a lot of talk about how there's a chip on his shoulder. Everyone's going to take the Jets to do super well. And I think they're going to suck. And if they're going to, if if Robert Salas, the head coach, they're going to be worse than suck. 855-212-4227. Mike's in Chicago. Hey, Mike. Hey, Bart, thanks for seeing my call. And I agree with you 100% because I think there's a huge mushroom cap over New Jersey happening with Robert Salas and Aaron Rodgers. The mushroom has come out of the ground and now it's in. The Jets land, okay? <laughs> I'm J-E-T-G-S. sort of following, yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> just a bad mojo, brother. It is, and we've seen it in Green Bay. We saw what happened, but I mean, it, fortunately for them, they had Jordan Love, and he, you know, took some losses, but he didn't go underground like Aaron Rodgers did. And another thing I want to bring up is the Bears. I think they're gonna take. Williams, number one, keep Justin Fields, maybe trade Justin Fields after they sign him on his fifth-year tender and see how things go. What do you think? Well, Mike, thanks for the call. I think that Caleb Williams does seem to be what is going to happen there. It does seem to It does seem like Caleb Williams will – eventually be the guy which I'm still apprehensive about from a coaching standpoint. I if Caleb Williams is going to be the guy in Chicago, then you have to commit to Matt Eberflus. I mean, you don't have to, but you're going to do the same thing that you did with Justin Fields, where you had Matt Nagy and then you have Justin Fields and then you change the coaches on him right away. You saw what that did, and if you're going to say that Justin Fields didn't work, why would you have that same process? With Caleb Williams, the scenario that I have a hard time seeing play out, and maybe those in Chicago feel differently or Bears fans feel differently, is a scenario where Caleb Williams gets drafted, and as Mike pointed out, they keep Justin Fields for another year or try to like use Justin Fields as the Alex Smith to Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes. I just really don't see that happening. I have a really hard time seeing that happen because 
you know, Justin Fields, then what if Justin Fields turns out to be the guy? Then you trade Caleb Williams, I guess. I don't know how that's going to play out. This is, I truly think that this is one of the most fascinating decisions that any general manager has ever been presented with when it comes to the NFL draft, because they were kind of, I mean, they were in the same position last year. They chose to keep the quarterback trade the pick, got a great haul for the pick, which allowed them to then get the pick again, which I, I mean, they didn't, they, they thought they were going to get a first round pick. Okay. What are the Panthers going to do with Bryce Young? Hey, maybe we'll get as high as six or seven. I, I don't know. But then they get the number one overall pick again, put yourself in the same situation again, and know that if you trade the number one pick again, you could get more than you got for it the year before. So that's where I think there's all these different wrinkles and all these different things at play that make it really interesting for what the Bears to do uh, could do. I think that drafting Caleb Williams and trading Justin Fields is the most likely scenario. I think trading the pick and keeping Justin Fields is the second most likely, although not very likely. I personally think keeping both quarterbacks and going to camp with like an open competition is the least likely. Now, you're not going to get as much for Justin Fields as you would for the number one pick just because of the talent that's available there, the flexibility, the contract then that you would put that quarterback on. That's another real big thing about this is that even if the Bears, even if they do all their scouting, and even if they say, all right, Justin Fields is an 87 out of 100, we really like this guy, but Caleb Williams is an 87 out of 100, we really like this guy, you have to go with Caleb. You have to go with Caleb because of the rookie contract scale. You have to go with him because you get him cheaper and then you get him potentially for longer. There would have to be a pretty big gap for you to say, oh, we're still going with Fields rather than than Williams. I, I'm really intrigued with how the quarterback process shakes out in this draft. Uh, I think that there's a lot of guys that could go top. I mean, we could have three guys go top five. We could get more guys slinking into the top ten. You could get other guys getting into the first round. There are a lot of quarterbacks that I think could be successful pros. It's just a matter of where are they going to be taken, and there's some really good prospects at the top. So very intrigued to see how that shakes out from the Bears' perspective. The other team that I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago was the Seattle Seahawks hiring Mike McDonald. So there it is. You've got in this league now Mike McCarthy, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDonald, and then you have Sean McDermott, Sean McVay. So you've got a lot of guys here that are uh, very close to each other in the yearbook. But Mike McDonald, youngest coach in all of football at 36. What is, uh, is he, is he actually half the age? What's Pete Carroll? 72? Pete Carroll was born in 51. He's 72. Yeah. Yeah. He's half his age. Yeah. He's not going to do as well. (laughs) He's half his age. Uh, I think Mike McDonald, I, I, based on what he did with the Ravens defense, Shep, that's a, that's a good hire. You think they'd be better off with Carroll? I think they should have let it run its course, Bart. Like, I think they got to let Pete Carroll finish that. I, I, you, I, you, I think you're the one that said it. They're gonna want to, they're gonna regret that move. I think Carroll was the guy um, that a lot of people respected in that locker room. I mean, besides who, like Earl Thomas and Russell Wilson, who no one likes. Um, those are the only two guys that have ever had issues with him in his decade and a half of service as the head coach for the Seahawks. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm also not sure like how close Seattle is with the team they have built. I mean, they've got a couple of years out of thirty year old Geno Smith here. Right. They weren't they had the number five pick last year. They weren't able to get a quarterback there. I thought if a quarterback fell to them, they should have got one. Like I thought maybe Anthony Richardson could fall to them. He went to the Colts instead. Um I don't I don't know how close they are. So maybe hitting the reset button with a guy who defensively he's got the Ravens to a bunch of different top 10 numbers. They were first in the league in points allowed per game. They were first in the league in sacks. And he's been somebody that has done well against, we're just going to lump them all in together. The Shanahan McVay types, which happen to both be in this division that you see four times a year. So I do, I do think it's a good hire. If you're a Seahawks fan, you should be, you should be pretty excited about the hire. I just don't know how far away they are. Um, maybe they could have still got more run out of Carroll, but I think, I think, you know, five years from now, they might look at this as, as the right move and there was the right guy available at the right time. I just don't know if Pete Carroll, if Pete Carroll's the head coach next year, what's, what's the max of where you're putting them? The max contending for a wild card like they were this year. I don't, I don't even know that's a playoff team. Well, no disrespect. If it's a career backup, yeah, the max is always going to be nine or 10. But Pete Carroll, I still think, has a few years left in him. I think he's the youngest 72-year-old that you're ever going to meet in the coaching ranks. His 72 is different. It is different, but it ain't 36. You know? No, I, this guy I, seems pretty energetic, young. Like, I'm, I'm 39. Pete Carroll might be younger than me, though. My body, <laughs> my body's, a, my body's a trash I, I can. If we want to go the young guy route, I mean, how did Josh McDaniels work out? I mean, I, I love Raheem Morris, but how did he work out the first time? Like, the, I mean, McVeigh was – look, McVeigh's been very successful. He's also had Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, you know? Like, Kyle Shanahan has, has been successful. He's all, I would say the credit more goes to John Lynch than Kyle Shanahan with the weapons that Kyle Shanahan gets to coach every year. Yeah, possibly. And John um, you know, Schneider Schneider's done a, he's done, hasn't done a great job. He hasn't done right by Pete Carroll. I think that again, if I'm a Seahawks fan, though, I'm excited today. Uh, I, I I would see the positives in this. Yeah, the coaches are getting younger and younger. I mean, 36 is young to be an NFL head coach, but um, this seems like the guy that's done well with the Ravens defense. What did KJ Wright call him? Uh, I don't even know. I don't even. I don't even like the word. I, I don't want to say it. It's not even a bad word. Um, but oh, he basically oh, called him. We could play it again. Nah, it's fine. He basically called him no names. <laughs> Uh, scrubs essentially. So I think if you're a Seattle fan, again, it's a good hire. I am curious now what happens with, cause this was a guy that was maybe rumored to go to Washington where it seemed like Ben Johnson could have gone there or Ben Johnson could have gone to Seattle. And then maybe the other guy goes to the other place, but now Washington's left without a coach. So I'm curious about what's going on there and why that job has suddenly become so possibly unattractive. Talk about that. Talk more football with you guys. Eight five five two one two. 4227. As we are taking a little bit of a peek, there's going to be so much Niners and Chiefs the next week and a half. And I am eager to talk about that again. But let's give some attention to some of these other teams here and where they're at in this point of the offseason. 855 212 4227. It's the Bart Winkler Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening 
to the Bart Winkler Show. Heard Monday through Friday, nighttime and nationwide. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern and 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific on CBS Sports Radio. 32 teams in the National Football League. Two of them are left standing playing next Sunday. 30 other teams are trying to figure out how to get to that point. Number one. (laughs) That number one. Number two. And number two. We're getting to the point. You know, when I uh, first watched, I remember one of the Super Bowls I watched, it was uh, Cowboys and Bills. I think it was the first year that they played of the two. There were only 28 teams back then. I remember distinctly I made a sign to show off in my living room. I said, Bills number one, Cowboys number 28. That was it was my sign that I made. And I was like, Mommy, look at my sign. And she goes, You're not at the game. What are you doing, man? 855-212-4227. Seahawks have a new coach. Mike McDonald. Uh Allen is in Seattle. What's up, Allen? Yeah, it's a pleasure to uh to uh I'm a first time caller. Just a little bit nervous. Uh, I'm I'm kind of pleased with this McDonald hire. Uh, I know Pete Carroll's had an outstanding career and everything, but I think we need a little defense. I'm just concerned. I mean, our offense is fine. I can deal with Gino and, and Lockett. You know, he's a little bit, you know, long in the tooth and Metcalf, but I, I, I'm happy to see a change, you know, and I'm hoping that this will, you know, guarantee us a little bit better season. So uh, that's all I wanted to say. I thank you. You have a wonderful program, and maybe you can give me some insight on on what's uh, what's happening in your thoughts. Thank you very much. Yeah, Alan, I'll give you some insight. That was a good call. Nothing to be nervous about. Well done. Uh, I think the second time, should you call back sometime, it'll even be better. Um, but uh, it was a good call. Uh, well done. Very good. As far as the coach, yeah, again, I think what everybody's getting excited about is the defense. The defense is what people are really looking forward to since this guy was a defensive coordinator and also a very good one. But Seahawks, the Seahawks could use an upgrade there, especially because of this guy's track record against the Shanahan's McVeigh's, right? That whole, the Mike McDaniel, but this is Mike McDonald, remember? And he beat all those teams this year. Rams took an overtime, but they crushed the Niners. Uh, They beat up on the Dolphins. So, if you're going to see those teams four times a year, it's nice to get a guy in there that can beat that. Sometimes teams will pick a guy or draft a guy accordingly. Like, Hey, the, they have Randy Moss. We need to draft a corner, but then it like doesn't work out. And sometimes it does. I think this is the potential to work out. I, and I do think like we're a pro Pete Carroll show. I feel like we've been over the last month, of pro Pete Carroll show. But in terms of what he was going to do with that team, and I, I, you know, it does kind of seem surprising. I'm still a little surprised he's not there. But the Seahawks have to look at it now as, all right, this is a new era, and this guy's a defensive mind. We have some good offensive skill players. I thought Kenneth Walker would do a little more than he did this year. The wide receivers, the trio are very good. You're going to need to find a long-term replacement at some point. Geno can still give you a little bit. Drew Locke stepped in and was fine. I don't know that this is a playoff team necessarily until they improve that. But in the meantime, shoring up that defense, trying to be more competitive within your division is going to go a long way. So I'm just thinking if I'm a Seattle fan, I'm happy about the move. 
I don't know that I would have been thrilled that Pete Carroll was gone, but he is, and you got a new guy, and so I'm happy about the move. Ozzy is in Atlanta. Ozzy, what's up? How's it going, man? I'm doing great, man. I hope you are. I'm good. Yeah, what's up? Excellent, excellent, man. Uh, Raheem Morris is definitely the first topic I just wanted to talk about. I think that, honestly, it's a great hire by my Falcons. Um, He was already with the organization, and they kind of let him walk away, you know. But uh, sports is a great microcosm for life, and what's the perfect person if it's not the perfect time, baby? Um, I love that. So him bringing in Zach Robinson, I really think, will unlock the offense. Um, and another guy from, you know, the McVay, Shanahan style of offense with Zach Robinson. Uh, I guess I just have a couple questions after those comments, man. What do you think the Falcons can do to emulate a winning franchise? Like, what do you think the blueprint is for them going forward? And two, uh, trade up or trade down? Because I don't like that eight pick for the umpteenth year in a row, man. Thanks for the time. Well, yeah, thank you for the call. I mean, I, th- I think it starts with quarterback. Well, first, maybe it starts with coach. I, th- I, didn't, I didn't think much of uh, Arthur Smith, who has gotten a new job. Arthur Smith is the uh, offensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And wouldn't it be something if Mike Tomlin's first sub-500 season comes at the hands of Arthur Smith as the new offensive coordinator? I just, I just don't think that he was uh, a very good coach. I, I kept thinking that he was looking at that depth chart upside down. Look, you got to play Drake London. You got to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. You got to get the ball to B. John Robinson. And it seemed like they went out of their way not to. And then you could, you could predict that quarterback. You could, you could predict it almost to a T what was going to happen there. They're going to start Desmond Ritter. Then they're going to go to uh, Taylor Henneke for a while. Then they're going to go back to Desmond Ritter. And then at some point they're going to have to play Henneke for another game. And that's exactly what happened. And you could predict that from the jump. It was so obvious and so apparent that that was what was going to happen. So maybe, maybe they take like, you know, I don't know who's going to be there at eight. I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of these mock drafts and we'll know more after the senior bowls this week, you might be seeing some practices and some video, and then we're going to get the, the combine coming up pretty soon. And there'll be some guys that jump up and jump down for whatever reason. But I don't think like quarterback is something you have to be shy about. If there's a guy that you like, if there's a guy that you like, grab the guy that you like, uh, Packers did it a few years ago, right? With, uh, with Jordan love trading up for him. Uh, the other teams have done it as well. I was going to, I was, I almost referenced a name. There's one name I'm not saying tonight because we've talked about him way too much. We're going to talk about him tomorrow a lot. He's the quarterback of the Niners. I was going to say his name. I was going to say some teams wait until the very, very end. So you know who I'm talking about, but I was not going to. I, I'm just not going to say his name tonight. There are many other things happening in this league and in sports that we can give some attention to other stories for at least an evening. But I almost did trip up and say uh, his name tonight. We'll say it again tomorrow. We got the Bartometer back tomorrow. The Bartometer is my device that gives us the information that maybe we're having a hard time settling on. It is named after me. It doesn't necessarily reflect my opinions. So that's very important. Tomorrow, we're going to ask it who the top 10 quarterbacks are in the league and where uh, Lamar Jackson falls, where Josh Allen falls, where he who should not be named on this Wednesday, but yes, on Thursday and every day going forward falls. 
if the Bartometer is going to have the same allegiance to the Green Bay Packers that I do as a Packer fan, we will see. But I think, again, with Atlanta, it's about getting a quarterback. It was about getting a new coach, and obviously he had been there in the system. You're right. Um, and it looked like for a while it was going to be Bill Belichick. And I just, like, if it was going to be Bill Belichick, if Bill Belichick was going to be the head coach, who would have been the quarterback? You weren't going to draft a guy. You were There was going to be some sort of panic to getting, like, some sort of free agent or some sort of veteran that maybe Bill Belichick could then coach with instead of bringing along a rookie, which we're not sure he can do. We're not sure he can do that at this point. We're not sure he wants to do that. If Belichick's going to coach again, it's going to be to win another Super Bowl without Tom Brady's assistance, and it's going to be to also try to get more wins so he can eventually catch Don Shula, a record that Andy Reid seems to be fast approaching. So if that happens, if that would have happened, we would have been throwing out names like Kirk Cousins, uh, Baker Mayfield, who we think will resign with the Buccaneers, but I don't know. We would have been throwing out names like maybe Justin Fields, and that could still be in play for Atlanta. Joe Flacco, we could have been throwing out, you know, for an Atlanta target. So there could have been other guys that we threw out that I don't think we're going to focus on now with Atlanta, with it being um, a different coach in Raheem Morris. And I think as you look at some of these guys that got new head coaching jobs, I think most of them should have a little bit of benefit of time. Raheem Morris is not going to be expected to win a Super Bowl right away, maybe even not even get to the playoffs. Now, that division is pretty weak, so it could happen. Carolina is going to give, I think Dave Tepper learned his lesson as the owner, Going to give Dave Canales time. Uh, Gerard Mayo seems like he's going to get time. Brian Callahan, Tennessee, seems like he's going to get time. Mike McDonald, Seattle, seems like he's going to get time. I think the two guys with the shortest amount of time might be Antonio Pierce, just because we've seen a half season of him, and the Raiders are going to want a big-ticket name if this doesn't work out, we assume. And then also uh, Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh's probably going to have success because he's Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh, the leash is not going to be as long as some of these other guys. Raheem Morris, I do think, he didn't get it the last time when he was an interim coach there, but he will get at least the opportunity to show that he can be the one to do right by this team. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4CBS. That Lions loss was bad last week. Was it all-time bad? We'll talk about that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 